Well, hello and welcome. Wherever you're tuning in from today, we give you a good welcome and uh, we're so glad you're with us. Let me just start by declaring to you peace to you, peace to your family, peace to your home and peace to the nation that you come from. And of course, we want to bless this nation of ours, Great Britain, and we speak peace over this nation. And today we're ministering on the subject of the spirit of understanding or possessing the spirit of understanding. Now, let me go to Matthew 5, verse 13. Matthew 5, verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. He says, and you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And it gives light to everyone in the house. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Well, I do believe that this is a time for introspection and um, reflection. Why do I say that? Well, we need to be asking ourselves some questions such as, what did we do wrong? Where did we go wrong? Uh, what is it that I don't understand? And why? Because we must carefully consider in order for us to wisely then conclude. Understanding is a key thing here. And in order to understand we need light inside the house so that the light inside the house begins to shine outside of the house. Remember, the church is a city that cannot be hidden. It's meant to be on a hill. It's meant to be shining bright so that everyone can see it. But yet, if there's no light, on, if there's no light inside the house, then there'll be no light shining outside of the house. I want you to carefully consider everything that's been spoken to you today because your life will depend on it. I said to you last time I spoke that it's possible to be sat in a well-lit room reading your Bible or reading anything to do with God and yet you don't have the light for understanding. It's amazing you're in a well-lit room and yet there's no light being shone on what you're reading to take you into understanding. Now, every house needs internal light and external light. Every house, every church needs internal light and it needs external light. We cannot only have the light inside the church on a Sunday and yet we're dark outside. We live in a dark world, but yet we are children of light. So therefore, we must let our light shine. And if the, the Bible tells us, but if we lose our salt and we lose our light, we're no good for nothing. <clears throat> you know, so much of... What I see today, so many churches, so many believers are lacking understanding. So much ignorance around. This is inside the church. So much immaturity and dysfunction, which are all classic signs of the people of God lacking understanding. When people read the Bible, they don't understand. When people hear the message, they don't understand. Understanding seems to be far away from so many believers. So let me give you a first point. Your lack... Your lack, my lack, our lack, will expose your ability to understand. Your lack will expose your ability 
to understand. Yes, the lack that you have will expose you at some point and will expose your lack of understanding. Daniel chapter 9. Now I want you to read this and I want you to see the, the importance of understanding. Daniel chapter 9. It's in the Old Testament. And it says, reading from verse 1. In the year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from scriptures. I, Daniel, understood from scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last uh, 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I, Daniel, understood from scripture. So Daniel had light switched on over his life. Now here's the importance. Daniel was able to take the light that had been switched on on Jeremiah's life all those years before and now as he's reading, he says, Daniel, I, Daniel, understood from reading from scriptures. So Daniel was able to see what another prophet had spoken and was able to make it available in his time, in his generation. So often we read what Abraham, what God did with Abraham, what God did with, with uh, Jacob and Isaac and what God did with David and what God did with all the prophets. Prophets that God spoke to in previous times and previous generations. And yet when we read, we have not got the light to understand the significance of their message for now. And in our own personal lives, it's quite severe. Now, I also want you to see that God always supplies a voice for every generation. He always supplies a voice for every generation now, do you have the ears and do you have the eyes to recognize those people who God is speaking through for your life? This is a question. You know, I was on a live webinar this week. And I was, this webinar was designed for leaders from around the world. And they, they were discussing the issues of what are the current issues in, in today's uh, society. Uh, certainly in this moment of the pandemic, what's going on around the world. And... I was asked this question, and I responded it by saying this. Well, you can only answer this by first discerning what is absent and what is lacking in the church. You can only understand what's, what's going on in this world by thinking about what is absent and what is lacking. Now, when I think of the church today and I think of what is lacking in the people of God and what is absent, I see understanding and I see the absence of a, prof a prophet and a prophet's voice. Let me tell you it again. Let me say that again. I see an absence of understanding. And I see an absence of the prophet's voice being spoken in this time. Well, during 2016, this nation called Great Britain went to vote for Brexit. And in all that time... There was noise personified. Both the nation was in uproar. You have two sides, 
Well, three sides, you have the media and then you have the political sides. Then you have the people side. So I guess with this four sides and you have all this noise and confusion. And one, I'll never forget what the Lord spoke to me about. He said, Tony, I want you to listen to what is not being said rather than listen to what is being said. What is being said is confusing people. But what is not being said is because behind the scenes it's lacking or it's absent. And this was a great, great insight to me. For four years, to two thousand from two thousand sixteen to two thousand and twenty, our nation has been uh, has, has been in upheaval over Brexit. But yet, in all that time, in all that time, the prophets never spoke, or they were silent, or those who did speak, their voices were never heard. So we can't say there was no prophets, but what we can say, the prophetic word was silent or it was absent, or it was suppressed. Now, <clears throat> what does this mean? What does this mean? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. The moment we think that we can run church without the Holy Spirit is the moment his voice will become absent and void from those people who gather in his name. Oh yeah, we can gather in his name. But if we don't give room for the Holy Spirit, and by say give room, I mean it's his church. I don't mean squeeze him in. I don't mean just pacify him and give him two minutes in the worship, three minutes in the worship. I'm talking about giving him room. It's his church. Giving him the church. You see, Jesus started the church the way he wanted it, and now he wants it the way he started it. And that's with the Holy Ghost right in the center. You see, the Holy Ghost is the access point that you and I need to understanding. Take away the Holy Spirit and we do not know what the Father is speaking to us at any time in our life, never mind at this time in our life. And you know, the more I go, the more I travel, the more I walk into different churches, the more you can clearly see that the Holy Spirit is no longer welcomed in his own church. In the book of Revelation, we, we're familiar with the scripture that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. The question we should be asking ourselves, what is Jesus standing? Why is Jesus standing at the door of his own church knocking to get in? He should already be on the inside. <clears throat> but he's knocking on the door trying to get in. Why? Because they pushed him out and no longer welcomed him. You know, the more I travel, the more I see, I, the more I see church is now becoming a mechanical natural thing we do on a Sunday rather than a supernatural and a supernatural dynamic um, emphasis. We've got it so natural, so mechanical, so surgical, so distant that we know how to sing, we know how to preach, we know how to do everything and yet the Holy Spirit is not welcome and therefore our lives are never changed. He's never welcomed him. We never give him a platform to move. We've got church set on a time scale that we start at this time. We finish on that time. The Holy Spirit can only speak when the preacher's preaching or when the worship leader sings. Give me a break. The Holy Spirit must be the one setting the agenda. The moment there is an absence in the church. So the moment the Holy Spirit is absent in the church, understanding is reduced to flesh and blood. Yeah, let me say that again. The moment we remove the Holy Spirit from the church, there is no, not only is there no prophetic voice or no prophet's voice, but understanding now is reduced to flesh and blood. In other words, 
people's intelligence, and that varies in every congregation, people's intelligence now is reduced to their level of understanding, rather an insight and wisdom and supernatural uh, dimensions being revealed to us by the Spirit. So the moment there is an absence of the prophet's voice no longer speaking, there will be colliding waves hitting the atmosphere over a city, a nation, a church, a group, a people, a person. The moment the voice of the Lord is no longer being allowed to be spoken, the moment the voice of the Lord is no longer understood, colliding waves will begin to hit the atmosphere and people's understanding will be completely dysfunctional. You know, when you have the evidence of colliding waves hitting a church or hitting a city or hitting a nation is people's understanding begins to become so widespread that they listen to myths, fables, they listen to conspiracies, people's faith is weakened and doubt takes over, fear runs. That's exactly what we're seeing right now in this day. Let me give you another insight to what happens when the prophetic voice or the prophet's voice is either silenced or is absent in the midst of God's church. Nations and cultures begin to sink deeper and deeper into sin, depravity and decline. That's exactly what's happening now around the world. Nations are sinking deeper into depravity, decline and further into sin. You know, I've noticed right now, certainly in Britain, the work that should have been done in the winter is now being done in the summer or in this early part of the spring, I should say. And all, wherever I go now in Manchester, I see holes are being filled in the road. The workmen are out in abundance. There's less traffic on the road because everyone's shut down or majority of people are shut down. It means there's a lot more time for the guys to fill in the holes on the road that were caused through the bad winter. And it reminds me a lot like the church. When the prophet is absent, this great big hole. In other words, what is God saying to us right now in the midst of Brexit? Or what is God saying to us in the midst of COVID? What is God saying to you in the midst of your crisis or sickness or whatever it is you're going through? And then what happens is because there's no answers, there's a great big hole left. And then later on. The prophets, or those calling themselves prophets and prophetic ministries, of which there are thousands saying what well, we have a prophetic ministry, all of a sudden now they get their spade and they get their two pence worth, and now they try to fill in the hole of it called embarrassment, and they try to fill this hole in that they really don't have answers for. And the hole is there because they couldn't speak or because they were exposed because they too had lack of understanding. Holes have always appeared. Many of you will be familiar with the term, um, I think they call it the sinkholes. Sinkholes. And sinkholes just appear. Do you know we have sinkholes all around the church? When things have not been attended to, things are rolled away. And then all of a sudden, a crisis comes and everything that was built, just disappears. And then everybody stood around. All the geologists have stood around, the prophetic geologists. Hmm, it could have happened because. It could have happened because. Well, I think, well, in my opinion, in my expertise opinion, in my insight, in my understanding, I think. And that's all we get is I think. This is trying to fill in the hole when you could have prevented the hole had you have spoken or understood what was going on. 
So we understand that things are taking place in our nation. Holes are appearing all around the nation, all around the world. But yet, my people do not understand what is going on. So, it's not until you and I are pressed that we really do get to see what is, ex- or I should say, it's not until we are pressed that things get exposed in our lives. It's not until we're pressed that we begin to see beyond the scenes. We begin to see what you never understood, what I never understood, what we begin to see, the laziness, the apathy, the dysfunction, blah, 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 blah. We get to see what is behind the scenes. And God doesn't want that to happen, but he's given no choice when people just keep masking around, when people just keep playing games with God and never give themselves to him properly, then God has no other alternative than to pull the cover and expose us to see what's behind. Well, let me read this to you in Matthew 16. The same thing was going on. And Jesus begins to press his disciples. He begins to pull the trigger to see what their understanding was. And you and I, in our relationship with Jesus, you can be walking in a sweet spot. Then all of a sudden, the Lord will ask us a question. And in that question, he's exposing us. He's he's pressing us to see whether we understand or we're ignorant in that area. I remember... Praying one one day, and I was I was in a good period of prayer, and I just and, and I was just saying, Lord, Lord, give me the nation, give me the city, give me this, give me that, Lord. And I was believing that I was praying a real spirit-filled prayer, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. I'll never forget it. And He said to me, "It's the wrong question." Wow! I was arrested. What do you mean it's the wrong question? It came so loud on the inside of me. This voice. It's the wrong question you're asking. And this is what he asked me. He said, why don't you ask me what type of man the city needs? Whoa. That just stopped me in my tracks. I didn't know how to answer the Lord. One question exposed me in my lack of understanding. And here, Jesus, I'm reading from the message. Now, the message is not a Bible. It's paraphrased. But let me just read this because I think it sums up what Jesus was saying and how Jesus interacts with you and I with regards to our understanding. Watch this, the message version, Matthew six thirteen. He says, when Jesus arrived in the village of Caesarea Philippi, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? It's a fair question. What are people saying about who the Son of Man is? And they replied, listen to their reply. Listen to their reply. Some think he is John the Baptist. You can imagine Jesus saying, I didn't ask you what you think. I asked you what you know. Some think he's John the Baptist. Some say he's Elijah. Some, Jeremiah. Or is he the one of the prophets? Now that's confusion.com. They've said he's either four, he's one of four people. Jesus said, I didn't ask you for a consensus. I asked you, what do the people say? And then he brings it to this focus point. Who do you say I am? Wow. All of a sudden now, I don't need an opinion. I don't need a projection. I don't need a perception. I need your understanding. Who do people say I am is one question, but what about you? In other words, are you going to listen to the opinions? 
Are you going to listen to the projections? Are you going to listen to the perceptions? What understanding do you have of me? Wow, what a question. And then, what's this? He says, in the message, he says, who does, who do, um, what, and, and how about you? Who do you say I am? Now, he is putting them under pressure. This is what the message says. He's putting them under pressure to see what they know and whether they are blind in their understanding. Simon Peter said, you are the Christ. Well done, Peter. Top of the class. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus came back and said, this is what he said. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get the answer out of books or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. Now that's the message version. My father in heaven, God himself, let you into the secret. In other words, when God the father releases anything, he does it through the Holy Spirit. He, he gives the Holy Spirit the mission to come and speak to the prophets, to the church, about what God is saying and what God is doing and how we should do what God is telling us to do. The Holy Spirit is the connector. Let me say this, church. God is putting the dream center under pressure. He, does, he wants to distinguish us from the rest of the pack. Let me say that again. God is putting pressure on our understanding. Why? Because he wants to distinguish us from the rest of the pack. If majority of people is dysfunction, immature and ignorant and a lack of understanding, why do we want to be counted as those kind of people? God is looking for a church who understands his voice, who understands his ways, who's got light to understand his word and to progress and follow his word. So the question is, do you want to be like the rest of the pack or do you want to be separate from the pack? So if God is going to distinguish us from the rest of the pack, he's going to put us under pressure to see what it is we know and understand. Now, we need to know what we know. We need to know what we understand. God wants to know what we have worked out and what we're working out. What we have worked out previous, what we are working out now presently. As well as he wants to expose us in what we have become steadfast in. So let me say that again. God will pressure us and press us to see what we know. <clears throat> what we understand. What we have worked out previous. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So in that working out your salvation, what have you worked out and what are you still working out? And what are we standing steadfast in? What are the areas that we're standing steadfast in? These are key areas. So the moment there is absence of that prophetic voice no longer speaking, you know, one of the things what happens is denominations, and denominations are classic. They have a certain behavior about them. The moment they no longer have a prophetic voice, the only other alternative they have is to manage their structures and to manage their membership and to manage their people. Why? Because when they have nothing to say, there is still plenty to do. We must never get to the point where we're learning to manage people, that we're building our hierarchical structures, that we're so busy in managements that we forgot the message 
and the voice that we're supposed to be. We're meant to be a city on a hill. We're meant to be a people who do not lose our saltiness. And you can very easily lose your salt and light when you have nothing to say. In fact, they are the results of no salt and light. Let me give you another point here. When the prophet's voice is absent or it's silent, other voices, other voices will begin to give another emphasis. In other words, other voices will rise and they'll begin to bring a different emphasis. Let me give you um, some insight here. Now, I'm going to ask you to lean in here because this is what I'm about to say now is very, very critical. In 2008, a a prophetic prediction was made. Now, listen to what I'm saying and hear the significance of understanding. In 2008, a word was predicted that said, in 2008, in around 2020, a severe pneumonia, like illness, will spread throughout the globe. Listen to this. And it will attack the lungs and the bronchial tubes, the bronchial tubes, resisting all known treatments. You and I would say, whoa. That sounds like COVID-19. Well, let me continue. Almost more baffling than the illness itself will be the fact that it will suddenly vanish as quickly as it arrived. And attack again 10 years later. And then it will disappear completely. Let me read that again. Prophetic prediction. In 2008, this word was spoken. And it said in around 2020, a severe pneumonia-like illness will spread throughout the globe. Attacking the lungs and the bronchial tubes, resisting all known treatments. Almost baffling than the illness itself will be the fact that it will suddenly vanish as quickly as it arrived and attack again 10 years later. And then it will disappear completely. Now, would you say that's clear? Would you say that's a clear, strong, prophetic declaration? If you're trying to make sense of what something was said in 2008, and you're trying to apply it to a time, just like Daniel said, I I understood from reading scripture the words of Jeremiah the prophet. So here's 2008, a prophetic prediction is made. And here we are in 2020, that's 12 years, is it? 12 years later, Here we are in the midst of COVID-19. Here we are reading this and we're thinking, this word was spoken 12 years before. What a difference a prediction can make. Or, is there a difference between a prediction from a proclamation? A prediction is one thing, but a proclamation is, is something different. Why is a proclamation different than a prediction? Because it all depends on the source of who is speaking the word. The source is the issue, not just the words. The source. Now, there is the spirit of truth versus a spirit. There is the spirit of truth versus a spirit. Now, I'm I'm going somewhere with this. Stay with me. On this, this is so, so significant. I'll make it clear to you in a minute. When we read words like we've just read there, 
we, we look at that and we say, this word is a word describing our present situation. Now, when we read Sky and we read, sorry, when we listen to Sky, BBC or any world news media, they're classically guilty of contaminating the news that comes through them. They're classic. Why? How do they contaminate it? Because they don't tell you the news as it is, they give you their opinion of the news. It's their opinions that contaminate and put biases on the news. If something happens, something happens. But when they start giving you their opinions of something's happened, they're no longer reporting the news. Now they're reporting and projecting their opinions. Now, you say, what's this got to do with what I've just read? Well, now, let me bring you into understanding. I said to you, a proclamation is different from a prediction because of the source. Well, you may be getting carried away that that word was bang on for this time, it may interest you to know that a lady by the name of Sylvia Brown was a lady who spoke these words in 2008. But Sylvia Brown was a psychic. She was not a prophet. She was a psychic. Oh, and she wrote this in her book called The End of Days that was written in 2008. Sylvia eventually died in 2013, so she's not around to defend or uh, speak about what she said. But the issue is this. This lady was accused in her lifetime of offering grieving parents false information. And yet you read this and you think, if you didn't know this was Sylvia, and you didn't know that she was a psychic, you would think that this is a prophetic word for our time. Let me go back to what I said. I gave you the point. When the, prophet, when the prophet's voice is absent or is silent, other voices will begin to rise to give another emphasis. Her voice is now rising in the midst of COVID as if it's some kind of prophetic warning for the church. I'm not interested in her voice. I'm more interested in the source that she tapped into. She hit, she tapped into colliding waves. Now, if people hear this word and then begin to tune into Sylvia's other things she said, that can become the trap leading people into destruction. We must always check the source of what is being said. So if you do not connect to the spirit of truth, connect to the spirit of truth, you will always be found on the wrong side of understanding. John 6, 63 says this. John 6, 63 says this. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. The flesh counts for nothing. John 6, 16 verse 13. John 16 verse 13 says this. When the spirit of truth comes. Notice that. The spirit of truth as opposed to a spirit. What Sylvia tapped into was a spirit. But what we listen to and connect to is the spirit of truth. Truth, the spirit of truth is different from a spirit. 
That's why it's called the Spirit of Truth. Capital T, the Spirit of Truth. Capital S, the Spirit of Truth. Not a spirit. And when we tap into the wrong kind of spirits, understanding becomes wild. And then people get carried away and sensationalize what's being said rather than listening to the source that's leading them. Because the spirit behind the words is leading you in a specific direction. Don't get carried away by what Sylvia said. Be more concerned about the voice behind Sylvia speaking. John 16, 13, but when the spirit of truth comes and he has come and he's inside us, he will guide you. He will guide you. He will guide you into all truth. Not aspects of truth, all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is to come. I don't need a psychic. I don't need a medium. I need the spirit of truth to tell me what God is saying. So I can understand just like Daniel did. And have the light for my house and for your house so that our lives can be on a hill, our salt can be tasted, our light can be seen and we can lead this world out of darkness into his glorious light. But you cannot do that when you have lack of understanding. You must have the spirit of truth leading you into all understanding. Listen to what he says, and he will tell you what is yet to come and he will bring glory to me, not you or I, he'll bring glory to the Father. Taking what is mine and making it known to you. See the transference there? He will take what's been known, what is known from the Father, and he'll make it known to you. That's why, that's called a divine transaction. So when we connect to the spirit of truth, what is in the Father's heart and the Father's mind will be made known to you and me through a life in the spirit. Through life in the spirit. So he will, let's just look at the dynamics here. He will guide you or us into all truth. Not parts of the truth, not the Old Testament truth, not the New Testament truth, not just one book truth, all truth. God has more things to speak to us about present situations. God not only speaks to us from his word, he speaks to us his thoughts. He speaks to us his intent. He gives us wisdom. And knowledge and truth that we've not even yet seen or even began to understand. So he guides us into all truth. There are different levels of truth, my friend. There is the truth. And then there is different levels. Why do I say that? There is present truth. There is living truth. There is all truth. There is prophetic truth. There is present truth. There's different dimensions of the one truth. He will not speak on his own. Thank goodness he's not a lone voice. He speaks based on what the Father and the Son are saying. He will not speak only what he hears. In other words, should say he will speak only what he hears. In other words, he doesn't give rumours, he doesn't give opinions, he doesn't give projections, he doesn't give perceptions, he just gives us truth. You can trust him. <clears throat> he will tell you what is yet to come. In other words, your destiny and your purpose is reliant upon the truth that you and I can receive. You will never... Fulfill your purpose and step into your destiny unless certain truth is provided on your path. And if this truth is not provided on your path, you cannot come into understanding. And it's the understanding that leads us into our destiny. And he will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it 
need known to you. In other words, truth needs to be illuminated. Here I am stood in this room. I have a camera, I have lights, and yet all this light shining on my path still doesn't give me the light I need to understand this word. So, John fourteen fifteen says this. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Well, how can I obey what I, he commands if I don't understand what he's saying? And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor. Oh, okay. And he will be with you forever. And here's the word, watch, verse 17. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. I wonder why. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives within you and will be in you. The spirit of truth. I don't need to go on the internet. I don't need to listen to a Sylvia Brown. I don't need to listen to a Daniel Brown. These psychics. Interesting, they're both names Brown. I need to listen to the Father. I need to walk in the Spirit. Keep in fellowship with the Holy Spirit so that the Spirit of truth can always shine the light and illuminate the light that I need for understanding. So last week I spoke to you about the chariot. Ah, you thought I forgot, but I haven't. Acts 8, 26. What do you do when understanding is not found inside your chariot? What do you do when understanding is not found in your chariot? Acts 8, 26. Acts 8, 26. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down to Jerusalem from Gaza. So he started out. On his way, and he met the Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading this book, the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now, just pause there a second. When Daniel reads the book of the prophet, he has light to understand what the prophet said. But yet here's the Ethiopian eunuch who's reading the words of the prophet uh, Isaiah, but yet he does not have the light to understand what is being said. So verse 29, the spirit told Philip. Who told him? The spirit, the spirit of truth that will be in you and will guide you and make known to you what is in my heart. He said, told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. What was the command? Go to that chariot, stay near it. Philip didn't say why, why me? He just went. So then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Listen to what he says. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. What a significant step. Inside everybody's chariot, in other words, the chariot is your life, your heart, your mind, your understanding. Inside your chariot, everybody has certain needs. Everybody has elements of understanding. Depending on, how, on, on that person, it may be greater, it may be less. Everyone has doubts, uncertainties, fears, feelings, suspicions. Everyone has hopes, dreams, frustrations, disappointment, 
And there's this whole bunch of things that live inside our chariot. And yet the key to all these things is understanding. Understanding brings me hope and it brings me sight and it brings me insight and wisdom. It brings me light and illumination and and I can move my way, maneuver my way through and beyond all those feelings that I've just expected. So I acknowledge and we must acknowledge that there are needs inside everybody's chariot. You're no different. So the Ethiopian was reading the scripture in broad daylight and yet he did not have light to understand what it was he was reading. It was probably a sunny day. The sky was was clear. The light was shining bright, and yet he did not have insight to understand what the prophet was saying. He said, this is what he was reading, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer, silent, so he did not open his mouth. In humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from him. This was forecasting, this was prophesying what Jesus would do. In the days to come, yet to come. So, you don't understand. So think of it like this. Think of understanding like this. If you were to look out on a nice summer's day at the ocean, take the ocean, and your eye can see as far as you possibly can. You see the ocean. You can see boats on the ocean. You can see maybe, depending where you are, you may see jet skis. You may see speedboats. You may see all people swimming in the water. You can see all kinds of activity on the surface of this water. And yet, underneath the water, there's a whole world that you have not yet discovered. And your eyes cannot see. Why? Because to go under the water, you have to change the technology you have to adjust and you have to you have to go under the water and you have to learn to adapt to that world because that's a different world than you're used to so most people were happy to stand on, on the on the beach and they're happy to look at the the horizon and see the ocean beautiful see the power of the waves see the beautiful blue skies but yet never know what lies underneath that world underneath that uh, ocean is a world that you and I have never yet discovered. There's treasure underneath that ocean, and yet it's so deep that you have to dig deep, swim deep, in order to unearth this treasure. Can you imagine if we just drained the earth of all this water and found the, the, the discoveries that's underneath the ocean? There are secrets unbelievable below, below the ocean, but it all takes you and I to be able to go underneath and go deeper. This Ethiopian was conscious of his lack of understanding. He was conscious of his lack of understanding. And he was willing, watch this, he was willing to make himself vulnerable. Now there's an issue right there. This is why so many believers prefer to stay in their lack of understanding because they will not make themselves vulnerable to other people. To acknowledge I don't understand. It's amazing how many people can't read. And yet... They go through life not telling anybody they can't read. And then one day they end up getting a job or promotion and they have to read and then they're exposed and then it becomes so embarrassing that they never taught themselves how to read. It's the same with swimming. How many people can't swim? And yet 
Well, they have grandchildren and then the grandchildren want to go swim, but Nana and Grandad have to sit at the side of the pool and the children saying, Nana, Grandad, come in. No, I can't go in. I don't belong in that water. And all it took was someone to be acknowledged. <coughs> they don't do it. They haven't done it. They didn't learn and become vulnerable and put their life into someone else's hands so that they can step into a whole new, different dimension. Understanding can be like that. I can run away all my life from the very things I don't understand. And yet if I'm willing to become, uh, to make my life vulnerable, I can ask someone to help me in that area. You'll never change by remaining where you are. You'll never change by remaining where you are. If you don't open up becoming vulnerable, then you will remain where you've always been. So why don't you admit and acknowledge and accept that you don't have what you need, and move to go and get it. So the Ethiopian was conscious of his lack of understanding. He was willing to make himself vulnerable to get new understanding. Let me give you another point. It takes a Philip. It takes a Philip, someone of Philip's character, who understands and carries insight to supply what others do not have. Let me say that again. It takes a Philip who understands, one who carries insight to supply what others do not have. The Ethiopian said, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? You and I must identify our Philip in life. Who is our Philip? Philip can be a male and a female. It's neutral in this context. It's someone who carries what you don't have. It's someone who carries light that you don't have. It carries light, uh, understanding that you don't have. It carries a perception and an insight that you don't have and have been longing for. And once you identify your Philip, invite him into your chariot. Become vulnerable and ask them to step into your chariot. But listen, this is what, let me give you this warning. The moment you ask somebody to step into your chariot, you're not in control. You can't be controlling and dictating what they pour out and what they don't. Because the one who carries what you need should not be put under house arrest. The Ethiopian asked Philip to step in. He didn't say, don't speak to me about this, don't speak to me about that, don't speak to me about this. Let me tell you about my, my, my situation. Let me t-. He said, invited him in and let him speak the truth. You and I cannot control everything in life. And we must not put the one who carries the light under house arrest. So many people say, you can come into my chariot. However, let me tell you this. No. I'm not interested as a pastor when people say, I need your help. And then tell me what I can't tell them. And won't let me lead them where they need to go. I say, I'm not the person to help you. Oh, but you are. No, I'm not. Why? Or if I tell you something, you've got to promise me never to tell anybody else. Well, the trouble with that statement is this. The moment I say yes to that, you've just put me under house arrest. Because what happens if I don't have the wisdom and I need to go and ask somebody else to get the wisdom? It sounds wonderful what you're saying. It sounds like you can't tell anyone. It's my secret. So what I've learned to do is this. The light I have in my chariot, I say, look, before I answer that question, if you're going to bind my hands, I'm not interested If I may need to go and get help, I need to be free to go and get the help so I can help you. Do we understand that? Now, if you explain that to people and then they say yes, then you are now free to step into someone's chariot or to allow someone to step into your chariot. That's just a word of wisdom. You can't control 
what somebody else possesses. It's not fair. You must stay honourable and you must stay humble to what somebody is pouring into your life. So many people want to control a pastor. So many people want to control the boss. I'm sorry, you're never going to advance if you're putting the terms and conditions on everything. Let me give you another point. There are chariots you should be found running alongside. In life, in the Christian life, there should be chariots that you should be running alongside and there should be a cha- your chariot, a time in your life where you're inviting someone else to come and sit in yours. So a time when you're running alongside somebody else's chariot and a time when you're letting somebody else into yours. Why? Because freely as I've received, freely I give. There must be this exchange. You must do something with what somebody's pouring into your life. So many churches, so many churches sit there and let the pastor speak into their chariot, but they never, never, ever go and go and and distribute what they're receiving. And that's why, if we go back to Matthew, that's why we've lost saltiness and there's no light. Because we never distribute what we're receiving and we keep it to ourselves. And in this Here we see Philip running. The moment Philip distributed his light and his seed into the... The Holy Spirit took him and Philip was off somewhere else. Now that Ethiopian... Here's the interesting thing about this Ethiopian. How do we know that the Ethiopian used what he received? It is reported that the gospel went to Africa because of this man's encounter. One man became the floodgate for Africa. Now you think of Africa today... In terms of the gospel, it's received the gospel because of this encounter. That Ethiopian came back to his own country and took what Philip explained to him and shared it with as many as he could. And then just like a virus, it began to touch everybody in his sight. So the the guy who invited somebody into his chariot went and distributed the truth and the light. And Philip himself then went to another chariot. And so you and I must do something with this understanding that we're receiving. Let me give you another point. Discover what your chariot carries. Discover what your own chariot carries. Discover what you carry. You must know what you carry. And then look to distribute it with maximum input. Maximum output, I should say. Because if you don't, the Bible tells us, you will lose what you have if you don't distribute it. Wow. You must distinguish in your life what it is you lack. You must distinguish in your life what you have, what is absent. Now, what's the difference between lack and absent? Lack is something you have a measure of. You may have a measure of knowledge, you may have a measure of gifting, you may have a measure of grace, you may have a measure of, of empathy. When you, something's absent, you haven't got anything. It's not there. It's totally absent. So when you lack something, you need more of it. When you, some, so when you lack something, you need more of it. When something's absent, you need to go and get some new learning in that area. So let me conclude. Go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. So many people want the pastor to speak from a distance. But yet they refuse to let the Holy Spirit come into their chariot. The pastor is not a substitute for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The pastor works with the Holy Spirit to bring you understanding and bring you into understanding. The pastor is not your substitute for you not having a life in the Spirit. 
Yes, if you're, con- if, if you're not connected to the truth, the pastor's words cannot help you. Why? Because the same pastor that's connecting to the spirit of truth should be the same congregation who's also connecting to the truth. So therefore, you and I together must be connected so that the divine flow can bring us all into understanding. Colossians chapter 1, 27. Before I read that, you know, if we don't, if we keep playing games with God, God will not play games with us. God will continue to allow us to keep walking with lack of understanding. You continue to read, but you'll never learn. You'll, be, you'll listen, but you'll never progress. So one Corinthians, sorry, Colossians 1, 27, to them, God has chosen to them, to them. So there's a people that God wants to make some things known to. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. To them, God has chosen. There is a them company on the face of the earth who God wants to, or God's chosen to make things known to. The Christ in you wants to make his treasure known to you. So you've got to go under the ocean. You've got to let the Holy Spirit take you deeper to find out the things, the treasures that are not revealed on the surface. Most people will never discover the treasures of God. Why? Because they choose to live on the surface of things rather than go underneath. It's a world you're not comfortable with. It's a world you don't know. It looks dark. Right. Well, in the darkness of God, there is light. Yes. In the darkness of God, there is light. And if you let, let the Holy Spirit take you into truth, he will make what's dark light to you and the treasures will be yours. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this, The secret things of the Lord belong to those. And those treasures are for us and for our generation. Once it's been revealed to you, it's yours forever. So it says, To whom the God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him. We admonish him. We teach, all, sorry, we teach everyone with all wisdom. Wisdom is light. Wisdom is understanding. Wisdom is depth. Wisdom is knowledge. So that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. So understanding must have a, must have a purpose. So I go into, I step into people's chariots. I run along, I run alongside some chariots and I allow others to step into my chariot. Why? So that I am fully equipped. So that in my work I may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor says Paul, struggling with all his energy which so powerfully works inside me. And I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not yet met me personally. My purpose is, listen, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that you may be filled with the full riches of understanding. In order that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wow. I tell you this, so that no one may deceive you. There's no Sylvia Brown deceiving you. By fine sounding arguments, prophecies, predictions or whatever. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in the spirit. Listen. And I delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith is in Christ. You will be exposed 
at some point. But I pray that you will not allow your life to be exposed and to the, poison, to the point where you feel ashamed, embarrassed. No, God doesn't want that for our lives. God wants us to come into understanding, church. I want you to come in, un, into understanding. If I am to continue laboring with his energy, my purpose is that you may be encouraged in heart and united in love, and that you may know the mystery of the God, namely of God, in whom are in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Let's bow our heads right now. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm praying for you, the Dream Center, and I'm praying for those who are tuning in from all around the world, wherever you are in the world. I'm praying for understanding, wisdom, and knowledge come to your life. I'm praying that you will allow your pastor to step into your chariot. I'm praying that you will allow the, that you will step into the Holy Spirit's chariot and you will ask him to bring you light and revelation and understanding that you don't have. And keep him in your chariot. At all times, keep him in your chariot. Keep him into your heart. The spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. He says, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because he ne- it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him for he lives within you and will be in you. The issue is, he's in you, but will you remain in him? That's John 15, walking in the vine. Father, I pray this morning or today that, Father, for those listening to me through this broadcast, that, Father, there may be a desire b- uh, birthed in them to want to know the spirit of truth. Some people want to know the end times, oh God, but they don't want to walk and they don't want to know and have a relationship with the spirit of truth. Father, I'm praying for those that you've given me, those that you have uh, allowed to listen to this broadcast, Father. I'm praying for the spirit of truth to connect them to your heart. I'm praying, Father, Lord, that understanding come from you, understanding come from heaven. I pray, Father, this day, Lord, that you will... Cause, just like you did to the disciples on that road in Caesarea Philippi, that people will not be taken up by the opinions and projections of other people, but Lord, there will be a revealing of who Christ is in them. Father, I ask this now and in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tune in next week when we have another broadcast and uh, we'll continue this series. Until then, peace to you. Peace to your house, peace to your home, peace to the nation you live in, and peace to this nation of ours, Great Britain. God bless.